are listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. I love it when we sing about Jesus, you know, and His grace, His goodness, and everything. I brought a stool so I can set my Bible. I'm not going to sit. My name is Jericho Almaranez. If for you guys that do not know me, I am a husband to my wife, Jessica, for three years now. It's been awesome. Um, I will soon be a father in December. We are expecting our first kid. <laughs> Wait till you hear what I have to say, maybe this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm also a seminary student at Talbot School of Theology, and I'm studying for my Master's of Divinity in missions and intercultural studies. Here at Cypress Church, I love it here. You know, we have so many opportunities. I've grown so much in my faith. And currently I am leading, I'm the youth, uh, youth, the young adult pastor stands upstairs. And um, I love seeing the passion in our kids at 18 to 30. Um, I want them to see Jesus for who he is, know what they're called to and live it out. And also at the same time, I lead Lincoln Family Ministry where we go and love our community especially in Lincoln. Today, I have the opportunity of sharing with you guys the Word of God found in Matthew 12. So if you would bust out your Bibles, turn to Matthew 12. And if you need a Bible, the ushers will be walking around and just holler, raise your hand. Um, If you need a Bible, come to the information desk and they will gladly give you one. We ask that you read it because it's just really cool how God reveals himself in it. All right. Last week, Pastor Mike McKay started our Power of Story series. And you're wondering, Power of Story, how does this work? The really cool thing is we are part of God's story, right? And the Bible says he created the world, he chose a people, he saved us through Jesus, and Jesus tells us to make disciples. And if you follow the line of people who faithfully follow Jesus, and somebody told you about Jesus today, we're part of that story. And it doesn't end in us, Right? We also have to make disciples of people. And um, last week, Pastor Mike talked about Matthew, who was once a tax collector, who followed Jesus, right? Turned from his cheating ways, from cheating his fellow men, and followed Jesus. He even wrote the book of Matthew that we're reading. So turn to Matthew 12. Um, Today, I would love for us to explore who Jesus is and why we should follow him. The following weeks after this, we're gonna talk about Jesus telling stories and parables and saying what the kingdom of God is like. But before we can understand that, I really want for us to slow down to say, who is this Jesus, right? And why should we follow him? We're gonna look at two groups. We have the Pharisees who rejected Jesus, and we're also gonna be reading from Psalm 51. So if you wanna turn there too and just keep your thumb in there, um, who understood the character of God? I believe today that you're here for a reason, right? God brought you here for something, and I pray that he would speak to the deep needs of your heart. So before we start, would you please stand one more time as we give this time to the Lord and pray? Would you bow your heads with me? Our Father God, we adore you for who you are. You have created us to know you. Thank you for sending your beloved son Jesus so we can know you more. Jesus, we come before you in humility as we open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts for what you have for us today. Thank you for sending us your Holy Spirit to convict us, to make us understand how lovely you are and how we can have abundant life in you. 
Oh God, we know that we cannot do anything without you. It is you, God, who initiates, you who works everything out in our lives, who you give yourself so that we can know and enjoy life and love with you. We praise you and we pray this in your son's awesome and mighty name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So what does it mean to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus, right? I think at the center of it, I feel like there's like walls of water around me. You know, some people always say, hey, Jericho, you know, like the walls. (laughs) You can put walls of water on. Sorry. Um, At the center of discipleship is Jesus himself. And I think following Jesus is made up of three things, right? To know Jesus in our head, to know Jesus in our heart, and to know Jesus with our hands. Simple, right? In our head, heart, and hands. And what does that mean? In knowing in our head who Jesus is, because in knowing Jesus, we get to know the character of God. In knowing Jesus in our hearts, we can learn to worship and praise him. The reason why we respond to these songs is because they're true. They're true about who Jesus is, and we know, and we can have faith in that. And we know Jesus in our hands that we're convinced that we can love and trust and live out our lives for him. Amen? Um, if you have a bulletin with you, would you open it? Um, and there, I've kind of given you three questions. What are obstacles that prevent us from following God? Who Jesus is? And how can we follow him this week? Um, for me, coming from the Philippines, I kind of think differently. I cannot think linearly. So if you guys are like, where are the, the bullet points where I can write stuff down? I'm going to take a different look at it. And so we're, kinda look at, we're looking at a big pie, and we're going to look at it from different angles. All right? You guys excited? I'm super excited for today. All right. To be a disciple of Jesus is to see Jesus and to know God's character and know our need for grace. I think in the Bible, there's a connection between seeing and also believing. Seeing with our eyes and knowing in our minds. So in this section, I know we're looking at the big chapter of Matthew 12. We're going to be focusing on verses 1 to 14. Okay? So the Pharisees, I'll read to you verses 2 and verses 9 to 14. When the Pharisees saw what Jesus was doing and his disciples, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Verses 9. Going on from that place, he went to the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. The Pharisees asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? See, the thing is, I'm not going to read to you the whole chapter, but the Pharisees saw what the disciples were doing. They were plucking grain during the Sabbath. And back in the day, they said, you know, you cannot work during the Sabbath. And they're saying, Jesus, we see that your disciples, your followers are breaking the law. What do you have to say about this? See, the Pharisees saw with their eyes and they did not believe, right? For them, the Pharisees, they're good people because they follow the law. They're good people because they look at their neighbors and say, I'm better than them, right? Who are the Pharisees, right? They weren't big fans of Jesus. Um, Let's step back. So today at noon, the World Cup finals are happening, all right? So who wants Germany to win? We got one in the sound booth. Argentina. All right. Who doesn't care? All right. So here in the United States, we don't care about soccer, right? Okay. The Pharisees, when Jesus came, they're like, we're not big fans of Jesus either. 
All right. And I, I love soccer. I've been watching it. Um, and I'm practicing my Spanish. And um, somebody was cutting my hair this week, and the lady was like, yeah, the commentator, if you understood what he says in Spanish, he says, he's holding the ball like his wife. He's kissing the ball, you know, and, and all these things. <laughs> Anyhow, I need to know more Spanish, I guess. Um, the Pharisees were not big fans of Jesus. They were the largest group, largest denomination of, of Jews. And they cared about the holiness of God and the scriptures and obeying it, Right? In Luke 18, there's a parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Both of them go to the temple to pray. The Pharisee says, God, I thank you that I'm not like those people, that I'm not like the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, even the tax collector. The tax collector prays and says, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. They have a seeing problem, and they also had an attitude problem towards everybody else. They said, you're sick because you sinned. You have a disease because you have sinned against God. You suffer misfortune. You got demoted from your job because you sinned against God. See, if they were here today with us, we would say, man, I want to be like them. They know the scriptures. They know God. But Jesus had a problem with them. See, like us, I think we have a seeing problem. We look at ourselves and we say, I'm good enough. I don't break any laws, right? We look at ourselves and we compare ourselves to others and we say, I'm better than them, right? I have a better paying job. I got a better car, right? The Pharisees looked at other people with no grace. When you're a perfectionist, when somebody breaks something of yours or somebody does something wrong, it's hard to find grace for that person. The problem is when we compare ourselves to others, it kind of leads to self-deceit. We think that we're better than we are. Right? In 1 John 1 8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. In verse 10, it says, If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, Jesus. And his words are not in us. So, what do we do? Right? In this story, Jesus says, If you understood who I am, if you understood who I am, you would know God. You would not look at yourself and say, I'm better than I am. You would understand God and the commands. Um, in Psalm 51, verses 1 to 4, let me turn there. This is King David. And for you guys, I want you guys to read your Bibles this week and read 2 Samuel verses, uh, chapters 11 to 12. Read it. And it's the story of King David. Um, instead of going to battle, he kind of stays back and sleeps with this woman, brings the husband home from war, gets him killed, right? And a year later, the prophet Nathan says, I have a story to tell you, King David, and the whole story is there. And basically, it's God confronting David. And G- David gets punished for his sins. But then this is the psalm that came out of it. And usually, you know, for you guys that have kids, you know, when they do something wrong, you know, they're very, you know, forgive me, Lord. David has this very different perspective because he knew God. Verses one to four, it says, have mercy on me, God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. And it just keeps going. In verses 16 and 17, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart you will not despise. 
King David and Jesus, they said, I know God, and he's a compassionate God. He gives us commands so that we can get to know him, right? I teach guitar, and I get two types of students. One student that says, I don't know anything. Well, you teach me everything, so I can teach him good habits from the on. Practice this, do this. There's the other student that says, I know everything, just show me what you know, right? So we usually have to work harder. I have to tell him, put your thumb back, try to break those bad habits, and then we can teach him the good stuff, right? The same way God wants for us to come to him and say, I don't know anything, Lord. I cannot do anything without you. I'm no better than my neighbor, right? The purpose of the Sabbath is to do good. See, the Sabbath was this system that the, that the Pharisees said, if I just keep it, I'm good enough, right? But the purpose of it is to refresh our souls, to take a break, and to also rejuvenate us by doing good. So what does this have to do with our lives, right? So sure, they have a seeing problem, we have a seeing problem. The implications of this is that we need to know God through the scriptures, that he created the world. He made promises and covenants with people to be known. He gives commands so that we can get to know him. He sends Jesus so that we can get to know him. This is why we sing about Jesus. And at the same time, we have to be repentant. We understand that we need the grace of God, right? So that we can give grace to other people. So that what it, that's what it means to be a disciple of God in seeing Jesus and knowing him in our minds. All right, now we're going to move on to knowing him in our hearts. To be, a, to be a disciple of Jesus is to hear the word of God, Jesus, and to understand with our hearts so we can praise and worship him. Just as there's a connection between the eyes and the mind, I think there's also a connection between hearing, receiving it in your heart, and also speaking, right? In verses 22 to 24, in Matthew 12, this is what it says. They brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. Jesus healed him so he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? And notice the hearing. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that his followers drives out demons. The Pharisees heard about Jesus and they had nothing good to say about him. They badmouthed him. Right? And I think it shows something about their heart. It shows something about the hardness of their heart. I don't know if you've ever gotten to this point where you have a coworker, you have a friend, and you don't like them for some reason. Um, they do something to you, and you cannot say anything good about them, right? They come to church, how you doing, how you doing? And you can't wait to text your friend, you would not believe what this person said. <laughs> right? I do this all the time. I have to rebuke myself. Lord, help me soften my heart, right? We can't celebrate others, right? When you, sometimes when you're envy of something, you kind of knock it, right? Somebody gets a new car, you're like, I don't like that car anyways, right? Somebody gets promoted and you're like, that job sucks anyways, Right? Somebody gets new clothes, you're like, man, I don't understand this new fashion with tight pants and everything, <laughs> yoga pants, all right? But see, the problem is in our heart, we do the same thing. We ask the Lord, God, would you please give this to me? I really want this. We pray, and life disappoints, right? 
And so we say in our hearts, man, I tried that Jesus thing. Doesn't work. All right? So what does that say? What does that say about us? Where is our heart condition? The Pharisees challenged Jesus, right? And the thing is, Jesus is not who they expected. They expected somebody who was going to reign over their kingdom, fight fight their battles for him, and Jesus comes and hangs out with the losers, right? Because Jesus did not come like the Messiah they expected. He was breaking the rules. He was claiming to be the son of God. He must be from the devil. We do this all the time. And Jesus says in verse 18, he quotes the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. In verse 21, in, in his name, the nations will put their hope. So Jesus says, I am the chosen servant of God and the nations will put their hope in me. And he says something important. He says, I am full of the Spirit. See, the role of the Holy Spirit, even though we don't talk about it, is that he gives us a new heart. In Psalm 51, verse 7 to 14, King David says, would you give me a clean heart? And what happens is, because the Spirit gives us this new heart, all we can do is praise him, right? You see, if we reject God, if we reject Jesus, if we reject the Spirit, man, we're missing out. We're missing out on understanding the love of God, right? In verse 33 to 37, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. Jumping down, for the mouth speaks, but the heart is full of. We have a walnut tree in our side yard, you know, and you guys know there's a drought, so we can't just have a green grass on the side anymore. There's patches. Um, And I was looking at it. Last year, I remember there's a lot of leaves and a lot of fruit. And this year, because there's been a drought, there hasn't been a lot of leaves, but there's still the same amount of fruit. See, the question is, what kind of drought are you feeling? towards somebody in, in your life right now? Are you still bearing fruit? Question is, is that still good fruit or bad fruit? And we can tell by the things that come out of our mouths. Right? You guys have friends that are really bitter and nothing good comes out of their mouths. Right? And sometimes it's hard to love people. Right? So what does this mean for us? And I think when we understand the grace that we sing about, the grace of Jesus for us, we can respond by gratitude. I had this friend, his name was Jimmy Lester. He went on with the Lord. He's no longer with us, but he's this hippie guy, long hair from Florida, got saved in the 70s. And he says one phrase. He says, thank you, Lord. He gets a promotion. Thank you, Lord. He loses his job. Thank you, Lord. They moved to California. Thank you, Lord. Right? He understood the grace of God in his life that he can thank him. Right? What what do we do? We complain. We knock what people have. We can't celebrate. Right? We have to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're blessing them. Thank you, Lord, that you're teaching me something right now. Would we learn to bless our enemies? See, and if we have a hard heart towards other people, I think we need to fix our relationship with God. 
We need to ask the Lord, God, would you give, would you soften my heart towards you? Because I think when you get that relationship, everything else will follow. All of a sudden, when somebody hurts you at work, you're like, man, they must be having a hard day. Somebody takes my parking spot all the time. <laughs> you know? And I'm always like, Jessica, I don't know what to do. Bless them, Lord. They need that spot today. Right? Catch us in the act of it. And the new heart that we get from the Spirit produces disciple-making and evangelism. In Matthew 28, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. The focus of this verse is make disciples. And under that comes three things. As you're going, make disciples. As you're baptizing, as you're getting people into your family, family of God, make disciples. As you're teaching, right, make disciples. So when we understand the grace of God in our lives, all we can do is just tell others about Jesus, right? In Hebrews 3, 12 to 15, it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, so long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. How is your heart? How is your heart towards the Lord? Right? And so we, now we know what it means to follow Jesus with our head and our heart. The third is to know Jesus with our hands. Right? To become a disciple of Jesus is to know him with our hands and to be convinced that we can live out our lives for him. Right? And in this section, we're going to focus on verses 38 all the way to 50. And the beginning of 38 says, Then some of the Pharisees sit and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want a sign from you. What? We want a sign from you? Do we do this? Right? Do we do this? God, if you just wrote my name in the sky, tell me what to do. I will do it. I don't want to see bunnies up there. I want to see letters, J-E, my name, right? God, if you really want for me to love on my neighbor, yell out my name, right? Do we do this? I do this all the time, right? See, I think the problem here is there's selfishness. God, if you just do this for me, I'll do it. If you give me a sign, I will do it. I think the selfishness shows the unbelief. Selfishness shows the unbelief. And what does Jesus say? He says in verse 39, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jump to verse 41. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Verse 42. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. So a little background. The book of Jonah in the Old Testament, you know, God sends Jonah to preach the good news to this, the Ninevites. You know, the Ninevites were this wicked people. Just a little background. They were violent. They would kill Jews. So Jonah wasn't fleeing because he was scared. He just was like, they don't deserve it, right? And when the message got to them, they believed. They doubted and they believed. 
the queen of the south hears about King Solomon, goes to his kingdom and says, man, everything that I've heard, now I see and I believe, right? What Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you guys have all these doubts. You're asking for a sign, but if I give you the answers to it, do you think you'd believe? The same way he asks us, we ask for a sign. God, would you just do this for me? That if, if God actually answered it, you'd be like, no, give me another sign. Right? There's unbelief there. But the thing is, Jesus says, you're not going to get a sign because I am him. I've been healing the sick. I've been doing everything. You see and do not believe. You hear and you still do not believe. And now you're asking, you're praying with your hands for a sign. In Psalm 19, one to two, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. When we were at Pume, you know, I'm walking to the cabin and I just look up and there were so many stars, I stopped. And I just was like, oh my gosh. In the city here in Cyprus, you know, we think we're the stars, <laughs> you know? We don't see them, though we're like, man, I'm a big shot, right? Up north or anywhere else where they see the stars, you're like, man, I feel small. There must be a God, right? And Romans 1, verse 20, it says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God creates everything so that we can know him. God creates relationships with people and writes it in a book so that we can know him. God gives commands so that in doing them, we get to know the goodness and the mercy and the love of God. God initiates all of this and we're saying, I want a sign. By the way, my name is spelled this way. (laughs) Right? And Jesus says, the only sign I'll give you is me dying and being raised from the dead. This is why we sing, this is amazing grace, that you would take my place, that he died on that cross. And in Matthew 16, 21, 17, 22 to 23, and all of this, write it down. It's Jesus saying, I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised to death. I'm going to be raised on the third day. Did it happen? Yes, it did. Right? Matthew 28, the tomb was empty. In 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus, for 40 days, appears to 500 brothers and sisters. And everybody in this room that believes in Jesus, you guys share that same spiritual heritage 2,000 years ago. Right? The other day, I was like, man, thank you, Lord, that you saved my dad. And thank you for sending whoever it is to introduce him to the Lord. And thank you for sending. And you just keep going back. And at the end of it, you're like, man, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, what does this mean for us? In the places of doubt in our lives, in Mark 9, 24, there's a dad who's got a spiritually um, demon-possessed kid. And he says, I do believe Jesus, but help me overcome my unbelief. So the places of unbelief in our hearts, if Jesus actually spoke to those, will we believe? Will we trust him? Right? Creation reveals God. Jesus reveals God. And everything Jesus did was affirmed by his raising from the dead. 
instead of praying for a sign, I think we need to be praying, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? All right, how can your will be known? How can you be known? All right, in verses 48 to 50, Jesus is asked, hey, your mom and your brothers are outside. And Jesus says this, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Right? We as disciples of Jesus need to see and know, need to hear and know in our hearts, and need to use our hands to do good. Right? We need to pray for our friends. You guys donate water. Right? Come out that day. Tell them, hey, we're doing this because Jesus told us to love on you guys. So to summarize, to become a disciple of Jesus, we need to know God in our head, in our heart, and in our hands. Right? With our head, we need to fight comparing to others. We need to fight saying, man, I'm better than everybody else. Right? We need to see Jesus for who he is, because in seeing him, we get to know God. We get to see our need for grace, and we get to see everybody else's need for grace. With our hearts, we need to ask God to heal our hearts so we can love again, right? There's a, I'll tell you guys this really quick. Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. There are psalms that are called imprecatory psalms. They're psalms where it's like, God, help me from this wicked people that are doing this against me. And there's people that say, hey, when somebody, when you have a beef and you have bitterness against somebody, read those psalms over their lives. Every time it says, the wicked people, put that person's name. What? But during that time, ask the Lord to protect your heart so that you're done venting so that you can get back to loving somebody again. You're done venting so that you can love somebody again. So that anything that comes out of your mouth is blessing for them. Right? That we get to love God with our hearts and love others. And with our hands, we need to fight selfishness and asking for these signs. Right? We need to trust him with all of our lives. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. Jesus, we sing about you. We know about you. God, thank you for knowing us. God, would you make us followers of you so we could be faithful with what we know about you, what we feel towards you and others, and that we can do your will with our hands. God, we give to you the places in our head and in our heart and in our lives, God, where we don't live out our faith. Jesus, you've done everything for us. Thank you for giving us your word and giving us your spirit so that we don't walk this life alone. And thank you for bringing people so we can practice what it means to love others. Would you make us disciples, God? We pray all of this in your son's precious name. Amen.